Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 36. I'm going to navigate you through this fantasy football world. I, of course, am Pyromaniac Mo. Saddle on up over to Twitter there, little pilgrim, and give this old cowpoke a follow. At Pyromaniac Mo. Nothing but nonsense and fantasy all the time. Today's music, Yola Tango was the band, a song called Mr. Tough. Now, you know the drill, guys. If you dig it, keep listening at the end of today's pod, and you can hear the song in its entirety. Again, that was the band Yola Tango, a song called Mr. Tough. Now, I got another doozy lined up for you today, Pyromaniacs. Recently, I had the chance to talk fantasy with Evan Silva. Evan, of course, is the senior football editor for Roto World and NBC Sports. Uh, we discuss his Team Previews series. Now, this just began. It's entitled Off-Season Lowdown, and he dives into each team. Plus, uh, we had just a great fantasy talk. No one better in the business than Evan Silva. Uh, we talk NFL. We talk fantasy landscape. Of course, we dive into some teams, specifically on his series that he's doing for Roto World. Uh, but we just kind of... It's, Get into all good goo, good fantasy stuff. We hit the Arizona offense, drop a few rookie names that you're going to want to keep your eye on now that OTAs have wrapped up. We look at some undervalued indie players and the improvement we might see in Oakland, the, the quarterback situation in Cleveland, what to honestly expect from Tyler Eifert, and so much more. Just wanted to remind folks before we get there, pull up. Pyromaniac.com. Got all kinds of exciting fantasy goo going on for you over there. You can sign up to become a Pyro Pro. Grab the 2016 Fantasy Draft Kit. Both of these are weapons of mass destruction on sale and available now from the homepage. That's Pyromaniac.com. Guys, can I give you some money? Well, actually, let Pyromaniac and League Safe give you some money. Here's how. 
If you're setting up a new league, go to leaguesafe.com forward slash pyro. Not only will they take care of the payment collection and payout at the end of the season, they're going to give you $10 just for signing up with the promo code from Pyro. Again, that's leaguesafe.com forward slash Pyro. All the details are there. Uh, again, new leagues get $10 credit into their league balance. Each league must have $250 in their league balance and just five unique paying members. That's it. If you qualify you with those two things, you get the $10. Look. We're all going to play, right, uh, we're this degenerative game that we love. But instead of doing the collection yourself, let League Safe handle it. Again, LeagueSafe.com forward slash pyro, and you get 10 bones. All right. Finally, love the reviews we've been getting from you guys. Keep them coming in if you're digging the pyro podcasts. Now, here is a recent one from Jason Duval. There are a ton of fantasy football podcasts to choose from. Very few offer us meat and potatoes. The pyro guys not only give us quality meat, but a big hunk of it. Well, Jason, I am a big hunk of meat. Uh, he continues, In-depth analysis like no other. If you are a winner, then you know what this podcast is about. If you're a loser, you don't have to be. Give it a listen. You'll be glad you did. Really sincerely, thank you, uh, Jason Duval, and thank you to all the pyromaniacs out there who have uh, list, uh, listed some reviews for us. It really, truly helps us out. So go on over, make sure you subscribe to the show, and leave us a review. All right, gang, boys and girls, pyromaniacs of all ages, crack open a Founders Brewing Company beverage of your choosing, sit back, relax. Here is my recent fantasy football talk with Roto World's Evan Silva. All right, pyromaniacs, as promised, we got another wonderful fantasy football talk for you on the Pyro Podcast Light. And tonight, I have Evan Silva on the other end of the horn. He is a senior football editor for Roto World and NBC Sports. You can check out his off-season lowdown series, currently running on the rotoworld.com website. Evan can be heard as a guest on many a fantasy football podcast and is a regular contributor to the Roto World Football Podcast. Evan can be found on Twitter at Evan Silva. That is E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A. Mr. Silva, how are you, sir? Jeremy, I'm doing really, really well, man. Fantastic. Fantastic. And uh, as uh, we here are gearing up for fantasy, but... Uh, we got plenty of fantasy talk to come. Just uh, how's your summer treating you and, and all other facets of life? Everything going good? Yeah, everything's going well. It's that time of the year where you know, mini camps are wrapping up. You know, OTAs are, are long in the books. Yeah. And we have about a six-week window where we're not having to deal with a lot of player news. And our website is, you know, the, the foundation of our website is player news. So that gives us an opportunity to really dig deep into the data and go back and watch players and, you know, pull up statistics and really form our strong opinions about players entering training camp. And then, you know, things will happen during training camp that will change uh, our outlooks on cer certain players, but it's, it's a great window for us to kind of, um, you know, really start to form strong opinions and takes on uh on on specific players and on how we how good or bad 
you know, we think that teams are going to be, which has a, a big impact on fantasy production, you know, in terms of game flow and, um, you know, you want to draft running backs on good teams, you know, et cetera, the, the, those sorts of things. Well, we got all that chatter and more coming up today. I'm really looking forward to this one, Evan. Now, I, I dare say you are a titan in the industry, although, you know, I hope your fate is not as bleak as the titans that fought the Greek gods on Mount Olympus way back when, Lord knows. Or the Tennessee what, Titans. Or the Tennessee Titans. And maybe you can even help me explain exotic Smash Mouth. And uh, not quite sure what that is, but we're going to get to all that, Pyromaniacs. But, Evan, tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you particularly are doing on Roto World. Now, uh, we're going to get into your series coming up here in a bit, uh, the off-season lowdown. But maybe you can highlight that or highlight uh, some of the other stuff you're doing on Roto World for us. Yeah, just looking at every single team. Uh, I started this series last year, and I'm bringing it back this year. I think it was pretty successful. Um, it allows me to look at, you know, do do target projections on players, try to figure out which players are going to have which roles, you know, just kind of have an outline outline on each team, rough expectations for players and roles on each team. And, you know, I don't I don't know that I necessarily say anything super bold in, in the, the fantasy previews, but um, it, it, it helps myself for sure. And I hope that it helps readers just kind of have a, a rough idea of what to expect from each team and in each relevant skill position player on each team. Well, we're going to dive into that here in, in just a second. But Evan, one thing I do with uh, the fantasy football talks here on the Pyro Light podcast and, and kind of an idea for it was to sort of knock down walls, uh, build cooperation, not competition, and essentially give folks a peek behind the curtain. And, you know, I'm a self-confessed stat geek, so I'm hoping you can give us the skinny. I often ask this of my guests right off the top, but is there a favorite stat or is there a favorite site that you use for your football analysis? The chalk answer, of course, is pro football reference, pro football sure. focus, football outsiders, and I use all those for sure. Um, you know, it's not statistic-based, but I do – really enjoy NFL game pass where, where you can search for players yeah. and pull up and watch players, all, all of a receivers target, all of a receivers targets or something like that. Um, you know, that's really useful. And I also really just like to use uh, my fantasy league uh, because if you go back in, into your, you know, into your past leagues, you can look at uh, because fantasy is a weekly game and you can look at where players finished in a certain week and um, you can kind of get a feel for their consistency. You can get a feel for, you know, their ceiling and their floor. And, you know, you, you want to try to be able to decipher, uh, you know, did, did players just have three, you know, three big weeks and that really um, expanded, you know, their, their final season uh, landing spot in terms of the fantasy rankings uh, or were they consistent throughout? And of course, in a season long league, you know, consistency is one thing that you're looking for, not just ceiling and floor. I like it. Uh, good stuff. And yeah, it's a, an imperfect business we're in, right? Trying to make yes. predictions on the future based off imperfect information from the past. So it is tough. And any kind of tips and, and uh, bits of knowledge folks can drop for others. I think uh, that is all for the fantasy good. Now, 
Before we get rolling and looking at your current series on Roto World, I, uh, I've got a bit of a trivia question for you, sir, and i got a few peppered in throughout this Pyrolite interview, so if you're playing along at home, here is question number one. All right. I am a PPR running back. I stand alone as the only running back to rank in the top 12 in at least, could be more, in at least 10 different weeks. Who am I? So once again, running back and last season, they scored in the top 12 on at least 10 different occasions. 11, actually. Okay. Uh, so... I'm going to lean towards someone who was a pass catching RB. Yeah. I think you could, you could say that. Sure. Sure. Um, I'm going to say not Devonta Freeman. Um, I'm going to say, Oh man, this is kind of tough. This is kind of tough one. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, D'Angelo Williams? Boy, you know, I almost wanted D'Angelo Williams. He had 8 out okay, of 16. Eight. 8 out of 16, and you got to go with your gut, buddy. Devonta Freeman, uh, 11. I didn't I didn't think you'd ask me that easy that easy of a trivia question. That's I, I almost pulled it out because it was so easy. Now, here's <laughs> the follow-up, sir. Here's the follow-up. Okay. Only one wide receiver did it at least 10 times. So only one wide receiver scored in the top 12, and I should say this is PPR, scored in the top, maybe that would have given it for you and Devonta, but anyway, uh, one wide receiver scored in the top 12 at least 10 different times. Who was that wide receiver, sir? Oh, man, three guys come to mind. I'm going to say uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and Antonio Brown. Yeah, you, you got it. And, 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 With- and this was And this was – but you, you say this is a more difficult answer than the first one, right? Um, well, I, the, yes, I would, well, no, no, no. not necessarily, <laughs> not necessarily. Just with Devonta Freeman, because he, he just blew folks out of the water. I thought you might go right, right there. Um, and I guess it's more difficult than the first one because there's a few choices you could go for. And it's one of the three you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins. Julio, 10. <sighs> Out of 16. And the irony there, of course, they're on the same team, which uh, I found pretty interesting. Now, don't worry, Evan. Uh, we're, we're playing for cumulative points here, and you could win an all-expenses-paid trip to Guam. So <laughs> stay ready for that. Warning, not all expenses paid. Now, we're going to continue here with Evan's fantastic series. I got a chance to check this out. Uh, really doing some good stuff. It is the off-season lowdown. Now, you're engaged in the series right now, correct? I mean, you've you have you're only maybe six, seven teams into it. Is that about right? Yeah, I just finished up the Cleveland Browns, and I'm about to jump into Dallas to the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going in alphabetical order, so I got a ways to go. So, uh, the average fan, what what should the average fan expect when he pulls up uh, a given team? Uh, just expect about a, a paragraph a, a fairly lengthy paragraph on each relevant skill position player and um i'm looking at vegas win totals too and trying to you know come up with a a, a reasoned uh a reasoned projection for whether this team will beat their vegas win total or whether they will fail to beat 
their Vegas win total. And I, you know, I, I really think that trying to figure out how good teams are uh, should, should set our expectations for, you know, our statistical projections. That's one thing I really do. How much uh, do you pay attention to the net expected point totals that, that Vegas sets on a given week? Oh, big time because I'm big into daily fantasy, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I know every team's, you know, uh, every team's, um, team total every week. Yeah. So for, yeah, for sure. That's, that's a big part of, of my analysis going into every week for sure. Yeah. I started looking at, uh, pretty heavily this year mm-hmm. and really like the results there. Of course, you know, they're, they're the sharps. They are in Vegas and picking it for a reason. So I, if I can use that information, I'm going to now, Another guy who does that as well, and I just talked to him on episode 34, TJ Hernandez mm-hmm. from 4 for 4. Uh, he's doing a study, and for any of us that have done any sort of stat research in the past, sometimes you can spend hours and uh, find it was all for naught, or sometimes you can right. just change your hypothesis completely, and you end up going a total different direction. Now, I doubt with doing team previews, you're necessarily going in a different direction, but has there any been uh, anything surprising, like on a certain team, like where you kind of did a double take or found interesting anything you've done so far that kind of made you say, wow, I, I didn't realize that? Uh, you know, going back to Devonta Freeman, um, the, a really heavy bulk of his production occurred in a five game stretch yeah. weeks three through seven. Um, and also there, there are some things that you kind of just forget over the course of the year, you know. And one of them was that Tevin Coleman began the season as the Falcon starter and he actually performed pretty well early in the season. He, he opened the year uh, with a 20 carry 80 yard game against Philadelphia, which didn't finish as a great run defense, but at that time was regarded as a pretty good run defense. They had a lot of good run defenders. Um, and then in the second game, he had 32 yards and a touchdown after about one quarter and he got hurt against the Giants. And I remember that week, you know, going back through all these, you know, going back through seasons on a weekly basis, you remember like what the feelings were in those particular weeks, entering those weeks. Tevin Coleman was a super, super popular daily fantasy play against the Giants. The Giants were regarded as a pretty weak uh, defense at that time. And they, they did turn out to be a weak defense. Uh, And Tevin Coleman, you know, Again, he performed well in the first game. He got 20 carries, and he, you know if he would have if he would have stayed healthy in that second game, he might have really blown it up, and we wouldn't even be talking about Devonta Freeman right now. Um, so you know, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Just going back and examining these players' seasons on a week by week basis. See, this is one reason I love doing these uh, fantasy football talks like I've got my opinion but mm-hmm. uh, very much like uh, Socrates at, at one point the Oracle of Delphi called him the wisest man on earth and he couldn't believe it so he spent a long time searching and going out there and meeting all these different people and he comes back to the Oracle and says you're mistaken uh, I've gone and talked to fishermen and craftsmen politicians and philosophers they are. They know far more than I do. And the oracle said, well, that's why you are the wisest. Your cup is empty and, and you can fill it. Uh, you know you know nothing, so you have the greatest potential to learn. I feel like I've got a chance to learn the most in from talking to someone like you. 
this is why I love to do this. Now, you mentioned the running situation there. People forget, I think, Tevin Coleman uh, was invested. They, they drafted him, whereas Devonta Freeman was sort of inherited by the Shanahan uh, offense. What do you? And I've heard a wide array of takes. Where do you stand with the two running backs in Atlanta? What do you think their outlook is for the 2016 season? I'm st- I'm still pretty high on Devonta Freeman. I mean, I think that he has a really good floor because he has such an edge in the passing game. Uh, I think he caught almost 75 balls last year. Tevin Coleman had 10 targets last year in total. He had three drop passes. Um, and Tevin Coleman is he's got a lot of straight line speed and that's really his calling card. And he, he runs physical for sure. Um, but I think Devonta Freeman's a better football player than Tevin Coleman is. And even if Tevin Coleman's role increases and they get to the point where they're trying to give him six, 10, maybe even 12 carries a game, Devonta Freeman won't go away because he's so good in the passing game. And the Falcons are going to be a team that's in, involved in a lot of shootouts playing from behind. I mean, their defense isn't very good. So they're going to need Devonta Freeman in there regardless. Um, You know, I don't know if he finishes as the number one fan. I mean, the odds are heavily against him finishing as the number one fantasy back again. Yeah. But he's certainly a top six or seven guy for me. And as a guy who that goes in the second round, I mean, I'm pretty consistently drafting Devonta Freeman in the second round of PPR drafts. Second round, Devonta Freeman. Hey, gang, we are talking with Evan Silva. And, of course, I want to take this opportunity to remind folks, draft season's coming up, and if you want to dominate your draft, head on over to pyromaniac.com. We got our draft kit on sale, over 20 tabs of mass destruction. All the information is available at pyromaniac.com. Stay with us for more fantasy football talk with Roto World's Evan Silva. Okay, Pyromaniacs, you are listening to the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Pyromaniac Mo, and with me, of course, is Roto World's Evan Silva. Follow him on Twitter, just like it sounds, Evan Silva, E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A. And let's continue with your, your preview of some of these teams here in the football league. We've got Arizona. Um, I'm excited about this team, but we've got one of our partners um, Houdini often talks about he's got a reoccurring piece career year. Beware. We've got Carson Palmer, a lot of career stats last year. What's your take on Arizona after doing uh, the preview? Well, they have a lot of offensive talent, you know, so like I want to bet on teams that have a lot of offensive talent. They go four deep at wide receiver. I think this kid, JJ Nelson has a chance to be pretty good. Five foot six, 156 pounds, but Bruce Arians doesn't really care about, uh, you know, I'm sorry. He's not five foot six. He's five foot nine or five foot 10. Uh, but he, he's under 160 pounds. And, um, I just, they have depth, you know, they have depth at RB. If David Johnson goes down, they've got Chris Johnson and Andre Ellington. You know, they, they have three probably top 25 NFL receivers, at least top 30 NFL receivers. They went out and they signed uh, Evan Mathis, a stud run blocker to play right guard. They're inserting DJ Humphreys last year's first round pick at right tackle. You know, they have a lot of talent. So, um, but I, I, 
you know, Carson Palmer is a guy that I would look for some regression from. Um, one of the red flags on him is that late in the season, he did not play well. Uh, people forget about this. He committed 10 turnovers in the Cardinals final four games. Uh, he was dealing with a dislocated finger at the time, and that may have been at least partially to blame, but he'll turn 37 later this year. The Cardinals offensive efficiency last year was so good. They led the NFL in yards per play that they're probably going to regress, you know, in this in, you know, in, in the, the forthcoming season, just because it's really hard for teams to finish first in the NFL in efficiency metrics like that in, in consecutive years. Um, so I would look for some regression from Carson Palmer. Uh, but I, I, you know, I still have him as I think he's my QB, QB six overall right now. And just with all the, all the great uh, elements in that offense, you know, if you're going to try to project him statistically, you're going to have him up there with, you know, some of the elite quarterbacks for sure. Even if you're anticipating some, some, some regression. Oh, I'm right there with yeah. you. I've got him, uh, my seventh QB overall, and I, I do expect some regression, but like you right. say, that offense is just fantastic. I mean, Cardinals and the saints, only two teams to average over 400 yards per game in, in 2015. And, a question I find myself asking many folks because I keep switching it around, but where do you have the three wide receivers? Now, currently, uh, I've got them listed as John Brown, the highest. Uh, then I've got Michael Floyd, and then I've got Fitz. Now, where do you see these three? Yeah, they're all really close for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like Michael Floyd the best. Uh, I noticed, you know, going back in my in my team preview that when David jo Johnson took over as the Cardinal starter and we have about a seven game sample, which isn't a great sample, but, you know, it's it's yeah. something um, it's almost a half of a season. Michael Floyd led the Cardinals in targets after David Johnson took over. Saw that. La yeah. Larry Fitzgerald's targets plummeted. Uh, they went from eleven point one targets per game. Uh, down to 7.6 targets per game with David Johnson as a starter. And I, I think that part of that could be due to the fact that David Johnson, such a good pass catcher, does a lot of his pass catching in the middle of the field. Larry Fitzgerald at this stage of his career is a slot receiver who works in the middle of the field. Um, Michael Floyd, when healthy, was the Cardinals' best receiver last year. He's 26 years old. He's in a contract year. You know, just a lot yeah. of things that I like to look for in, in a, a receiver that I expect to take a step forward. And Michael Fo Floyd has led us down before he did that in 2014. Mm -hmm. But I think that this is probably going to be Michael Floyd's year. And then I have Larry Fitzgerald really close behind him. And then I have John Brown, a pretty close third as well. Yeah. Now I'm really torn with these guys. I love Floyd. I'm a Notre Dame fan. Me too. And I know, I, uh, all right, yeah. uh, go Irish. Yep. I've been going going to see a game ever since I was a little tyke. In fact, awesome. man, when when we won, uh, what was it, 87, 88, uh, when they beat Miami, they won the national championship, they beat Miami by one point. It was the only time they beat Miami in that decade. I was at that game when Jimmy Johnson, I believe he went for two to get the win and uh, that, jumped up, that, knocked it down. I ran out into the field. I was probably 10 years old or yeah. whatever, but oh man, what a memory. That was Catholics versus convicts, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Was it? Uh, as I was sitting in the seats, I'll never forget 
one of the guys behind me, if you can't go to college, be a cane. <laughs> if you can't go to college, be a cane. If you can't go to college, because you haven't got the knowledge. If you can't go to college, be a cane. No offense to our Florida friends out there. Fine school. I'm just saying, these are my memories from childhood. But, so I'm in a predisposition to like Floyd. Now, I know contract year. I know, what was it, five out of eight games last year at the end, over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. I know the gruesome hand injury that plagued him at the beginning of the season. But uh, there's some interesting things. Seven games for Michael Floyd below eight points PPR. John Brown only had one game below eight points PPR. And whereas I think John Brown has a higher floor, he might even have a higher ceiling. Uh, last year, he had six plays over 40 yards. Floyd had half that. John Brown had uh, nearly a 200-yard game last year. Floyd topped out at 113. I know everybody's hyped, and, and I, I know Floyd has the potential, but I just like what I see in Brown, and I think it's going to be consistency where I could see Floyd being more of a bust. Not okay. that I'm calling a bust, right, but I, right. I just see fluctuation there. I, I, I can get behind saying that John Brown has a better better floor, a better weekly floor for sure, because you know there will be. I, I think that even this year, when I expect Michael Floyd to have his best season, I think there will still be some games where he has five targets and, uh, you know, catches two for 34 yards. You know, I, yeah. I, I think that John Brown is a little bit better positioned to have a better weekly floor. So I'm I'm with you there. Well, let's now let's look at David Johnson. Uh, I've got him, I believe, my second uh, in standard, as second uh, overall running back rated right now. Last year, Arizona ninth most rushing attempts on a per game basis uh, out of the backfield with at least 100 carries. David Johnson highest in points per opportunity with .62. I love what I see out of this kid. What do you think out of David Johnson? Is this a, a one-year anomaly, or can you back him, or too much risk? Where do you see him? Well, you know, we in the fantasy community every year get burned by running backs who have small samples of success. Last year it was Jeremy Hill and C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson. You know, every year this happens. Um, but he's just in such a good offense. And he is such a good player in the passing game that I think he's going to be really, really difficult for them to pull off the field, even if they try to. And I think they may try to incorporate a little bit of Chris Johnson early in the season as an early down ball carrier. But David Johnson is just so much better in the passing game. And ultimately, this is a pass first team. I I know that their, you know, their their final stats last year would give you the impression that they run the ball a lot and they do, but that's because they're ahead. You know, this is a pass first football team with Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians at the controls. And, um, I I just, I think it's going to be really difficult for them to take David Johnson off the field because he's such an all purpose threat. Uh, when he was the starter last season, uh, it was, you know, again, seven games, his 16 game pace stats through those seven, seven games with nine, 1,974 total yards, almost 2,000 total yards, 73 receptions, and almost 14 touchdowns. Um, after the season, Bruce Arians called, said that Johnson has a chance to be one of the all-time best running backs yep. and had earned the right to be the Cardinals' bow cow runner. And I think that I think he's ultimately going to be that, even if they try to incorporate a little bit more of Chris early in the year. And 
this is coming from Bruce Arians, who does not normally put a whole bunch of faith in a rookie. And so for him to say that, I think you can find kernels of truth there. Mm. Now, turning our attention, not necessarily just a, a team, but I wanted to get your thoughts on a phenomenon it seems we cycle through every year after the draft everybody's hyped up on rookies and, and you're watching all this tape uh guys playing you know wichita state or, or whomever <laughs> uh looking really great and they're going into the nfl now uh, i looked back since 2009 i looked at the end of the season and i looked at overall fantasy production uh, I believe I did PPR top 24 running backs at the end of the season since 2009. And then the top 24 wide receivers at the end of the season since 2009. So all in all, we're talking 48 spots, 48 spots on average 3.4 were rookies, which the number I expected, I expected the number to be higher. And I think that shows that we, we put all of our, faith into these guys. We, we love what we see. We drink the Kool-Aid and yet it's going to, going to bite us more often than not. Do you have a limit as to how many you're taking or uh, what do you think is optimal for rookies on your fantasy team? Talking like a redraft as opposed to a dynasty. It's just hard for me to say because I make rankings and I, I generally stick by them. You know, I, I put a lot of, th a lot of thought and try to use a lot of data to come up with my rankings. So if it happens that, you know, Corey Coleman slips to the ninth round and I get Ezekiel Elliott in the second and, you know, maybe I take Sterling Shepard, you know, I see Sterling Shepard there in the 10th, you know, I'm going to be willing to take three rookies. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't really have any limitations on that, but I, I do, I do try to approach rookies with a little bit more caution. There are exceptions. I think that Ezekiel Elliott is potentially a an exception this year i just think his situation is so optimal um warren sharp who uh works with guys in vegas and he does uh, some work for roto world we had him write a uh, strength of schedule uh column based on opponent opponents vegas win total so your strength of hmm. schedule would not be based on you know if you go on espn it's talking about what was you know, the strength of schedule is based on what was, what were the, the team's records the year before, which just, right. just really is not helpful because, no. I mean, if you face the, if you're going to face the Panthers this year, you know, you're having a deal, you know, on, on your strength of schedule, you're having a deal with a team that won 15 games, or if you're facing the Cowboys, you're, you know, it's listed as a, a team that won four games. And those just right. are not representative of what our expectations should be. And in Warren Sharp's study, he determined that the Cowboys have the easiest schedule in the entire NFL. So, and they've got Tony Romo and, and Des Bryant coming back, and they have the best offensive line in the league. And the red flag is that Ezekiel Rook, Ezekiel Elliott is a rookie, and I don't really see any other red flags b b besides that. I think he is in in the absolute ideal situation, um, and therefore I have him really high uh, in my redraft rankings. Just a quick caveat there uh, for you pyromaniacs, of course, in our draft kit. You get our SOS. Uh, it, it's one of our guys, an algorithm, I guess, he came up with. Uh, that He's got Tampa number one, and I did see 
someone else. I, I can't remember who I want to go with maybe four for four, but not quite sure. Tampa's also number one. We had Dallas tied for sixth, easiest strength of schedule. Now, I'm, I'm fascinated to know what you think about some rookies, but you, you brought up Easy E. Again, wide variety of reactions to this pick. You got uh, both friend of the Pyrolite podcast, JJ Zacharyson and Denny Carter, uh, big time number guys, analysts, um, or analytic analysts, I guess, saying it was perhaps not a wise pick that because the way Dallas is built, they can elevate many a running back. And um, if you look at major teams, I mean, Adrian Peterson, one of the best running backs in the league, and yet uh, the Vikings look at how good they are. And if you look at some of these major winning teams, it's because of the pass game. You've got better chances of scoring passing the ball. On the other end of the spectrum, you got the football guys, uh, uh, Cecil Lammy, um, a friend of the podcast, Sigmund Bloom, kind of saying the opposite, that, uh, of course, this is a great pick. What better offense to take a running back than Dallas? And easy is a, a once-in-a-generation running back. So where do you stand on this? Was this a good pick for Dallas? So when you look at the Cowboys roster construction, they have a lot of issues on defense. I mean, yes, they do. They have the worst defensive end depth chart in the NFL right now. Uh, their two projected starters, Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory are going to open the season on four game suspensions. Um, they're going to have to start right now. It looks like they're going to start this guy who was a six round pick out of Purdue. Didn't play last year named Ryan Russell at defensive end. Uh, and their other defensive end is going to be a guy by the name of Benson Mayawa, who was like bounced around the NFL. And, you know, he, he's like, he's looked good. And I remember him standing out in some preseason games, but he's, you know, like a young journeyman. They, they just, from a roster standpoint, I thought it was a silly pick because they were, they were a top 10 rushing team last year and they had a really bad offense. And this year they're going to have a really good offense and I think that they could have been, even with Darren McFadden coming back, they could have been a top five yeah. rushing offense um, just because their offense would be in in better position. You know, they, they'll face softer fronts. They'll be in, in better position to run the football this year. Um, so I thought it was a silly pick. I, yeah. I, I really did. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't I, I, that, I guess that's but I love it for fantasy, Jeremy. OK. Right. And we're here to talk fantasy. And a lot of times these worlds don't match up, right? right? Um, running an NFL organization and uh, fantasy. So let me ask you, since we're in the fantasy biz, my friend, give me, I mean, obviously Ezekiel Elliott is perhaps, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but perhaps one of the rookies you have pegged that might, you know, get rookie offensive player of the year. But in, in fantasy drafts, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm sure, is there. Give me a couple other names of rooks that you are really keeping an eye on that might wind up on your teams this year. Well, I named Corey Coleman, and he's a guy the, – the Browns have – they lost over 240 targets in the passing game from last year. They Their Vegas win total is four and a half right now, which is the lowest in the NFL. I mean, they're going to be throwing the ball every single week. I hope it's Josh McCown at quarterback. Yeah. I, I really do. And, and I think that if it is Josh McCown, then Corey Coleman could blow it up. Um, if you look at Gary Barnage splits last year, when, from when, you know, compare it when Josh McCown played to compare when, when it was Manziel or Austin Davis, like it was a stark contrast. Um, 
So I, I, but I, I think even with RG three, like the targets are going to be there for, for Corey Coleman. And I'm excited about him. Um, and he's a guy that I, because I like him so much and I, I loved him even went even before he went to an area where I knew he'd get a ton of targets. Uh, I mean, I loved him coming out of the draft. I watched a bunch of them, um, a bunch of his games at Baylor, uh, our draft guy, Josh Norris, he, it, it was, mm-hmm. it, he was, uh, Corey Coleman was his favorite receiver in the entire draft. So I absolutely love this kid. And I think he's in position to have some monster weeks. Maybe, you know, he'll have some, probably some issues with consistency, especially if it's RG three under center or Cody Kessler. But, uh, I, I think he's going to have some absolutely incredible weeks, uh, Sterling Shepard, I think is, a, yeah. a, 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 he's going to be a really solid pick. The Giants have a lot of uncertainty right now at tight end. Um, and Sterling Shepard is going to be a move the chain slot receiver for them. And, uh, I mean, I, I could see him catching 70 balls, you know, right off the bat. Uh, Laquan Treadwell is interesting. You know, you, yeah. you mentioned the football guys earlier. I know that he's, he's their favorite rookie, um, or at least their favorite rookie receiver, but, you know, the question is, are the, the Vikings going to open the offense up at all a little bit this year? Uh, there are some reasons to believe that they will. Uh, one is that they're moving back indoors. Um, and Teddy Bridgewater is an accurate passer. He, we have not seen him be an effective downfield passer. We have not seen him be a high volume passer. So, you know, how much are the Vikings really going to throw? And, is Laquan Treadwell going to get a lot of targets? I mean, Stefan Diggs is pretty good too, you know, and, and um, I don't know. He, Laquan Treadwell is a little bit more of a wild card for me in year one. Yeah. You named two that I really like. I like Laquan Treadwell primarily because Bridgewater, like you say, we saw with Mike Wallace, uh, not a match made in heaven, not built for going down the field, which is ironic in a Norb Turner offense. But I really think it matches well with, Treadwell's my ball mentality mm-hmm. and what he can do after he gets the ball in his hands. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what really excites me about Treadwell. Uh, the other guy you mentioned that I really like, I'm going to kind of wrap up three here. Uh, Sterling Shepard. Now pyromaniacs know one of our favorites is uh, NFL scout Dave T. Thomas. He comes on quite often. Just had him on I believe episode 35, our last episode uh, talking rookie wide receivers, and boy, he had Sterling Shepard pegged for possible rookie of the year candidate uh, over 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns, so says Dave T. Thomas. Now, that's a pretty tall order, but I like both those guys a lot, Sterling Shepard and uh, Treadwell. Now, going back to Coleman, and you, I think you hit it right on the head. Josh McCown, I, my money is on that horse in this race. Uh, TD to interception ratio. Now, it's not exactly a stat we look at for fantasy, but he was ninth best in that category last year. And they want a guy, I think, that can take care of the ball. Uh, you know, not necessarily looking for big production, but someone who's not going to turn it over. Uh, somebody that can manage, you know, the game. And I think McCown can do it far better than RG3, and I think that's going to be tied in a lot to Coleman's success is is who he has getting him the ball. I hear you say you like McCown too over RG3. What is your thoughts on RG3? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Uh, you could end uh, right there, honestly. I know I, I low key love Josh McCown. I, I used him a bunch in DFS last year. He had some big games. Uh, yeah. He had a really good game against Denver's defense. He lit up the Ravens. I mean, he's he's a good quarterback. I thought the Broncos should have traded for him this offseason instead of going out and signing Mark Sanchez. I mean, I think that they could be right back in the Super Bowl conversation if they had Josh McCown as their quarterback right now, but they didn't do that. I thought that was a mistake. I mean, I, I think Josh, Mc, Josh McCown's a top 20 NFL quarterback. And I don't know, you know, it's, are the Browns going to really try to win this year? They just invested a two year, $15 million deal into Robert Griffin. The third, I think they want to try to turn him into an asset and maybe trade him after this year. Um, and I just, I don't know if they're all in to win. Like, do the Browns really gain anything by starting Josh McCown this year? You know, I, I don't, I don't really know. I, I don't know how their decision-making is going to be. I don't think that they're going to be like a, a normal, uh, you know, the, the NFL teams that we're, that we're used to and where they're going to go out and try to win every game. I'm not so sure of that. You know, so that that's my pause with Josh McCown. I, I have no doubt that he would be the best option for the Browns. Well, 100% agree. 100% agree. Now, ladies and gentlemen and football addicts of all ages, I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, all letters, Pyromaniac Mo. Uh, keep with us for the Pyrolite podcast. And up next, I got, I'm going to let you think about this one, Mr. Evan Silva. Got another trivia question for you, and you can think about it over the break and give us the answer on the way back. Now, in 2015, I was a top 10 PPR running back. Out of those 10 PPR running backs, I was the only one who failed to average at least four yards per carry. Who am I? So once again, folks, 2015 top 10 PPR running back. This was the only one in the top 10 who failed to get at least 4.0 yards per carry. Think about that while you listen to this. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Pyromaniacs. As I said, this is Pyromaniac Mo, and we are talking to Roto World's Evan Silva. And we had a trivia question out there for you, Evan. Once again, top 10 PPR back last year. Only one of the 10 did not average 4.0. What is your answer, sir? I'm going to go with Danny Woodhead. Ding, ding, ding. You, sir, are still in the running for a trip to Guam. Danny Woodhead, 3.5 yards per carry, according to Roto Wire. Uh, of course, he, he did it in the passing game, right? 81 receptions, uh, six receiving touchdowns, and of course, yards per carry. It's, it's not the most telling stat to use. Uh, I've heard a lot of flack, a lot of kickback on it recently, and I, I, I think that's probably accurate, right? You've got all these factors weighing in, but sometimes it can be fairly predictable, um, the one reason I like it, I think it highlights guys like Ryan Matthews, who I believe had 4.9 yards per carry, whereas everyone else on the Eagles last year was below right. four yards. Yeah, so. I, I think it's kind of a hindsight stat. It's not necessarily predictive, but yeah. it does show that, you know, a, a player performed at a, at, at a pretty high level for the most part. I mean, I, I think it, it, you know, more often than not, if a player did well 
in yards per carry, then they were playing at a, a pretty darn good clip, you know, in, in that season. But it's not necessarily product, predictive for, for the, the forthcoming season. Right. But for like Woodhead, I think it, you can see a high caliber back there. He was able to do it while others couldn't in that offense. Now, of course, Woodhead, we, uh, I love him. And of course, he's just, you know, more of a pass catching back, right. making his hay there. I love him in and around the red zone. Um, let me t- talk about a rookie. We were talking about him a little bit, or we were talking about rookies a little bit, but uh, Devontae Booker. Now, allow me a bit of a tangent, if you will. I, I recently caught a bit of uh, the Roto World pod where you guys were talking AFC, and of course, Booker's name came up. Now, I forged a great relationship, as I said, with Dave T. Thomas. Uh, he was raving about Booker, actually compared him to Terrell Davis. That was on episode 33 of the podcast. Again, uh, Dave T. Thomas is a scout the NFL. Now, he did express concerns about his leg holding up, but he said, according to scouting services that owned and operated by Dave T., that Booker was their top-rated senior until the knee went out. Now, Booker, great ball carrier, uh, just perhaps a skosh behind Dixon as far as pass catching skills out of the backfield. Last uh, two years, 80 receptions. Plus, the kid started 10 games last season and had 76 knockdown blocks. I think that's going to bode well for Booker, certainly over Hillman, because he leaves a lot to be desired as a pass catching back. Anderson, pretty good there. I love Anderson. I truly love Anderson. In fact, right now, I believe I have him high as 12, I want to say. Now, to me, the lack of clarity at the quarterback position could really boost the running back usage. And and that's what I want to chase as a fantasy player, high volume. So tell me your thoughts on CJ, and do you think Booker is the next man up there in Denver? So I really liked Devontae Booker, too, when I watched him play at Utah. I mean, I thought there were a lot of things to like about him. I thought at times, and I mean, this is going to sound kind of ridiculous, but I thought at times he looked like Le'Veon Bell. Um, Really, really good all-purpose back. Um, One of the things that I noticed about him, too, was that he had the ability to make himself skinny through like cracks and just kind of like explode through the crack. And I thought that that really stood out to me. Um, so I really liked him when I watched him, you know, when we take a step back, he's, he's a fifth round pick. He's coming off a a fourth round pick. He's coming off a knee injury. Uh, he, he was really, he was old. He's like overaged for a rookie. So he was beating up on, yeah, he was bad at beating up on, you know, whack competition, uh, at the age of 24. Um, he, I mean, I, I think he's a good player, like, don't get me wrong, but he's, you know, not a lock to do anything as a rookie and, uh, Ronnie Hillman, although you don't like him, I don't like him, you know, uh, he has a year in the system The Broncos re-signed him. Uh, they thought enough of him to use him in a committee, even though it was a bad decision. Uh, they, you know, thought enough of him to use him in, in a committee with CJ Anderson. And he, he looked really good last preseason. That doesn't mean anything. I, I understand, but I don't think that Devonte Booker is like a lock to beat out Ronnie Hillman in year one, even though I don't think very much of Ronnie Hillman. 
So it's just kind of like a wait and see thing. I think, I think it is a reminder though that CJ Anderson is very clearly atop the depth chart. You know, the Broncos gave him that low tender and that was kind of concerning at the time as a restricted free agent, but they did match the significant multi-year deal that the Dolphins offered CJ Anderson. And I think he's going to get every opportunity to be the Broncos bell cow and the Broncos are going to need to run the ball this year. They're going to be a, a, a yeah. defensive minded run minded team because they have major issues at quarterback. I agree. I think that's going to bode well for CJ. The fact that they have those major issues. I've got him at 12. I'm expecting good things for him and uh, really excited to see camp, you know, gosh, all this info. I can't wait to see camp, exactly. s- camp start. Now another camp I'm interested in, not that there is a running back competition here, but the Colts, Frank Gore, Uh, Really, to me, he's one of the last outright starters being drafted. I mean, there's Ivory, who's going after him, uh, as is Crowell, Forsett, Jennings, but Crowell has Duke. Uh, Baltimore has running back by community there. Buck Allen, Taliaferro, Dixon, Terrence West, the ghost of uh, Trent Richardson. I mean, even New York with Jennings, they've they've got Vereen there. they got the rookie Perkins. So to me, turning back to Indy, Gore's the man. And he's really the last man standing, the last guy you can get. I mean, there's Robert Turbin there, but okay. So Gore, fantasy football calculator, we're talking seventh round. Yeah. So, so let's go there. Still value. And even in fantasy football calculator, guys, again, going right after him, uh, Chris Ivory, Carlos Williams, Theoretic, Foster Simps, nobody that really has the, the plug-in-play potential that uh, only real running back on the team is Frank Gore. So are you taking him seventh round? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'll take him, I'll take him six round. I'll take him early six round. Okay. Yeah. He, he's a really good pick and, and early six round. I mean, that's usually like your RB three, maybe your RB two in MFL tens. Yeah. And he has an assured r- workload. His scoring projection rises considerably. And he scored seven TDs last year. Um, you know, he didn't have monster weeks and he didn't catch a lot of passes. That's one concern for me is that, you know, how much are they going to use him in the passing game? Um, but he has a locked in workload. He never gets hurt, knock on wood, but he, he never gets hurt. And he makes a lot of sense as a sixth or seventh round pick. I don't care what kind of, you know, format you're playing. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Frank Gore at his current price. Yeah, I like Gore as well right there. And another guy I love on the same team, uh, Moncrief. Mm-hmm. He is the, the tallest of the wide receivers there. Now the tight end, who I also love, Dwayne Allen, 6'3", Moncrief, 6'2". But all the other starters below six foot. And I, I think that's appetizing in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luck really looked to Moncrief last year mm-hmm. when he was healthy. 33% of his touchdowns came to Moncrief. I'm going to make a bold predictive uh, call here. Like Olivia Newton-John, I want to get predictive. Predict- oh, no, wait, that's the wrong word. Anyway, uh, I'm going to say Moncrief is going to outscore Hilton. What do you think? I don't think it's crazy. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it from you. Yeah. Evan. No, I mean, I, that thought has passed, you know, passed through my mind as well. Um, I remember I do this weekly matchups column on, on Roto world during the season. And 
in the column, like I'm looking at like, you know, everything that might be predictive. And one of them obviously is team targets. And I remember through, I think five or six games last year, Dante Moncrief had the same number of targets as T Y Hilton, you know, and, and at that time before Andrew Luck got hurt, it looked like Moncrief actually might emerge as the Colts number one. Uh, I remember I, like I do this, uh, this show every Friday with Davis Maddock and, uh, some other DFS dudes. And, um, Davis Maddock was saying that he thought that Dante Moncrief, uh, may have already passed T Y Hilton as the Colts number one. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy. I, you know, I have T Y Hilton ranked ahead of Dante Moncrief, but like it, it wouldn't, sh- it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, yeah. I, he's one of the guys I'm really high on. He he's kind of one of my guys that I'm going to be be looking at. Although mm-hmm. I see his price rising, right. uh, which scares me a little bit. As did the injury. Although I believe he's running routes again. I, I think he's out yes. of the walking boot. Uh, so that's good. Um, another guy I'm really liking there because uh, Fleener, <laughs> Fleener breezed out of town as it were, and uh, leaving. I mentioned him earlier, but Dwayne Allen. I really like Dwayne Allen. Of course, he's rising in the Chudzinski offense. As I said, uh, six foot three, lots to like there. I think Luck is going to be looking for him. What do you think about Dwayne Allen as a, as a late round tight end? Like him, uh, especially in MFL tens, because I think he'll score touchdowns. And if you mm-hmm. get a touchdown from your tight end spot every week, you know, of course you're you're throwing three darts or two darts, you know, ideally three at tight end every week. And if you get a touchdown from your tight end position every week, I think you're in pretty good shape. Um, Dwayne Allen, you know, I he'll be a little bit dicier for me in redraft leagues. I just I I want to get a good tight end this year because. I don't have a lot of faith in uh, about in the tight ends after about the tight end nine. Uh, and for me, Dwayne Allen is about tight end 11. So I wouldn't love him as my redraft starter, uh, but I do like him in MFL tens. He goes about 11th round, 10th or 11th round. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of him in that format for sure. Yeah. My research says 10th, 11th round. Yeah. I too have him going, um, as my tight end 11. Now I hear you say, cause to me, uh, I've got Rob Gronkowski tier by himself. And then I've got Jordan Reed and uh, Greg Olson in the second tier. And then I got this huge glob right. of guys. Um, and Dwayne Allen is almost in mm-hmm. that glob. As I said, I got Julius Thomas at 10, Dwayne Allen, uh, Gates, Ebron. There's this big glob of guys that, <laughs> I, it's it, to me, it's like throwing a dart, and I'm not sure which one I'm gonna get. And to me, Dwayne Allen represents the guy that could be one of those darts to hit that I can get latest. That's kind of the way I look at it. But if you're gonna throw a dart, who, what other dart would you throw? I mean, who else do you like outside of the top three, the big boys? Who else do you really like at tight end? That's fair. I. You know, I'm going to draft my tight end starter in the first eight rounds probably this year. Um, I really like Kobe Fleener. I really like Antonio Gates. Really like Antonio Gates. Um, He was a tight end seven overall last year. He goes ninth and tenth round this year. I think the Chargers are going to throw the heck out of the ball again. I don't think they're going to have a consistent running game. Um, But Antonio Gates is about the last guy that I'm looking at and that I want to be – 
my my starter at tight end. Then you get into guys like Zach Ertz, who never scores touchdowns. I know he had some big games late last year in terms of re- receiving, you know, catches and yards, but he never scores touchdowns. Julius Thomas. I like him in MFL tens because I think he'll he'll be he'll have you know decent TD success, but I also expect that Jaguars passing game to take a pretty pretty significant yeah. step back this year. And Delaney Walker I think is a trap this year. Uh, he led all tight ends and targets last year, but I think the arrow is going to yeah. point up for Green Beckham. I, they signed Rashard Matthews. Kendall Wright is back healthy. And I think that he's a trap pick and I'm avoiding him. So uh, right now I have Antonio Gates as the tight end seven. And he's the last guy that I'm looking at as as a, a guy that I want to be my starter. I know I can get him in the ninth and tenth round. I can get him in the ninth round almost every single time, and I'm willing to pull the trigger on him there. Really intrigued by Ladarius Green as I'm, you know, the entire fantasy community is, but I, you know, I'm not willing to look at him and be like, yeah, I want him as my starter. While we're on the the tight end discussion, uh, what about Eifert? To me, yeah. and I hear you with the trap with Delaney Walker, what 133 targets or whatever. That's not it's not repeatable. Uh, with Eifert, I don't think that's repeatable. Right. Um, I mean, if you look at his touchdown dependency, mm-hmm. so w- where his fantasy points came from in standard leagues, 55.9 percent. I mean, across all positions. That is the highest for the top 50 players. That is the highest touchdown dependency or the highest amount of fantasy points to come from just touchdowns. And we all know touchdowns are so volatile. Eifert cannot keep that up. I mean, 13 touchdowns on 66 targets. And now you got the injury. Uh, Where do you stand with Eifert? Well, the injury really threw a wrench into him for me because I thought his targets were going to, increase okay maybe considerably you know they lost marvin jones and muhammad sanu that's over 150 targets right there and the replacements are underwhelming in my opinion brandon lafell and uh, second round pick tyler boyd so i you know i was not so much worried about because i thought he and i I knew he his touchdown count would come down but i i still thought he could score like eight to ten and then he would catch a lot more passes and get a lot more yards. But the injury thing is really screwing it up. You know, the the, uh, the Bengals ESPN beat writer, Coley Harvey, was on Mike Clay's show the other day and said that he doesn't expect Tyler Eifert to play in week one. And, you know, it's kind of no man's land after that. So right now, I mean, in MFL 10s, I'm, look- I'm still looking at Tyler Eifert uh, in the eighth round. But if he goes anywhere before that, like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, I'm moving forward. All right, yeah, he's he's a severe risk, and yeah. I think I'm gonna stay away from him. But I'm still on the boat where I'm gonna draft a, a tight end late, and like I say, hope one of those dart throw guys that can get me up there and get me some top ten weeks. Now, Evan, you've been really good, and we we're talking before I uber prepped for this, so we got a ton of material here we could cover. I might have my next three podcasts done, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you just. One more question, two more questions. One more, and then my standard last question. Um, Brady, Tom Brady, everybody loves to talk about him. But what's ironic to me is I've seen a little bit on Twitter. Now, maybe it's just who I'm looking at, but I've seen on Twitter guys seeming to say, and big name people out there, CBS and some others, saying that take Brady, 
and then just grab somebody to get you through those first four games. But I'm not into that. I'm saying avoid him because you're going to have to plug up a roster spot for four games, and that's the first four games. We're talking prime waiver wire activity. I don't want to saddle my roster with extra weight uh, just to cover Brady and miss out on some waiver wire picks. That's my philosophy, but what do you think about Tom Brady? Does he represent value because of where you can get him and, be, and because of the situation? Um, it's a really good question, and we dealt with this last year, and I was yeah. on the side of I'm just not going to deal with it. You know, I'm going to draft different quarterbacks, which is fine. I mean, I think it's fine, you know, um, and I'm taking that same approach this year, even though it burned me last year. Um, I'm, I'm not really drafting Brady in MFL tens. You know, I haven't done a ton of season long drafts. I've done a couple, but didn't take him there. You know, uh, I don't, his, his ADP is kind of, you know, where he goes in drafts is he usually goes like ninth round. I want to say in, in MFL tens, just based off my memory, I'm doing like six MFL tens right now. <laughs> so I, like, I, I feel like I have a pretty good feel for where everybody goes, but, uh, He's just not a guy I'm looking at because of the four game suspension and in MFL tens, I want to make sure that my guys are in there every single week. Now, like I said, I took the same approach last year and it didn't help me. You know, I should have been jumping all over Tom Brady in the ninth round. Uh, but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm just, I'm waiting later for quarterbacks. Got a lot of Flacco, got a lot of Stafford, got a lot of, uh, Tyrod. Tyrod's my high, oh. my high, my highest owned quarterback right now so um that that's just where i'm looking yeah i love tyrod just a fantastic efficiency of course uh watkins is a bit of a concern but that seems to be looking good too but uh, i'm with you on on uh, t-mobile so my last question again we're listening and talking to the great evan silva give him a follow on twitter that's just at evan silva and of course you can find his work on roto world this is Pyromaniac Mo. My last standard question. One bounce back, one sleeper, and one bust. Who do you have? Bounce back, sleeper, and bust. Bust, I'm gonna go DeMarco Murray. I I, I think he's pretty much done. Yeah. Bounce back is a good one. I, I'm gonna go with I'm, I'm gonna go with for bust. Oh, I already did that. Well, give me two busts. busts. All the busts in my life I can get, I'll take. So uh, give me two busts. Alan Hearns. I think he's going to be yeah. a bust. You know, he had 10, 10 TDs on 64 catches last year. Just not going to happen. And I think his catches will be about the same, and he'll score like five TDs. And he isn't going to help anyone in fantasy. Bounce back. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with C.J. Anderson. I know you like him, too. I, I'm, I I'm a little bit concerned about how many touchdowns he's going to score. I don't, I, you know, I don't like the offense. So, so that's concerning to me. But I think he has a solid season. To me, he is a legitimate three-down back in the NFL. He averaged 5.6 yards per carry in November, December, and January last season. He's a really good back. And um, yeah. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. And then um, – Sleeper, I'm going to go with DeAndre Washington, the rookie uh, for the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders are seemingly down on Latavius Murray. I think they're really high on this kid, DeAndre Washington. 
hell of an offensive line. Hell of an offensive line. And DeAndre Washington is already better in the passing game than Latavius Murray. So, and that's a guy you can get 13th through 16th round pretty much every time. So, uh, like DeAndre Washington a lot. Yeah, I like Washington. I was going to even ask you a bit about Latavius Murray. They've got PFF has him yeah. uh, on paper the best line just slightly yeah. ahead of ahead of Denver. Um, but one thing I found curious, Latavius Murray, I believe he had the uh, highest percentage of team carries inside the 20 and inside the 10. Of course, inside the 5, it was Chris Ivory. Uh, but I was surprised they were giving him the ball that much down there. Latavius Murray, again, inside the 10 and inside the, the 20, highest percentage of team carries. Uh, I, I love that offense, but uh, something about Latavius, they just don't think he's the man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of like, it reminds me a little bit in Jacksonville with, um, they go out and get Ivory mm-hmm. uh, because of, oh, who's my boy there, TJ Yeldon. Uh, for some reason, they don't like him inside the, the tent. So uh, some interesting calls there. What do you think, since you called uh, DeAndre Washington, yeah. are, you off, are you off Latavius with that line and with the fact that they're giving him the ball inside the red zone so much? I struggle with Latavius because I was a big yeah. Latavius truther before he got his opportunity. And he was pretty good in the first half of last year, but it's just like he hit a wall in the second half. And I, I did use him in DFS against San Diego. Uh, I think it wasn't a th- the Thanksgiving game. Um, I want to say, and, and he was productive in that game, but other than that game, like he was terrible in the second half of last season. Well, and so, and, so was Carr. Yeah. And, right. and so was Cooper, but Carr was really bad. Second half of the season. Crap. So he didn't do anything after he signed his contract. Yeah, I don't know if it boils down to necessarily one person, but it seems to be a systemic problem there yeah. in Oakland. I, I agree. So I don't really know what to think, honestly, of Latavius Murray, and I'm just kind of avoiding him. Okay. Um, but handcuff situation, maybe Latavius and DeAndre, or is it not? Is it not going to go that way? Is it going to be? Uh, one of my concerns is that De- I think DeAndre Washington get, ends up with a lot more work than people expect, okay. and so that's why I'm on DeAndre. And I'm not, I'm not really getting any Latavius right now, but man, it it looks good for him on paper though. It really does does. with the, with the O line, with the defense getting better, they're going to be in a lot of position, you know, game flow situations where he should be able to get 20 carries. But, you know, again, I think that they're going to try to work in Deandre Washington. I really think they love this kid and we'll, we'll see what happens in the preseason and, and training camp, but I wouldn't be surprised if there ends up being a lot of hype on Deandre Washington, uh, and he ends up getting, you know, open the se- opening the season, getting seven to 12 touches a game. I like it. I like it very much. And uh, great stuff, Evan. I really thank you for uh, stopping in for a fantasy football talk with me. And uh, hopefully we can do it again soon, man. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for uh, for, for having me on. Your, your knowledge was really impressive, by the way, Jeremy. I was, I was very, very impressed. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I missed those first two trivia questions. But, hey, shit happens, <laughs> you know. Hey, man, I, I got some more trivia. So in case I, I didn't want to lower the boom, but you did not win the all-expenses-paid trip to Guam. Oh. So – Maybe, maybe I can have you on next time. We're uh, we're going to Slovenia, so <laughs> you, you never know. 
Evan, it's been, a, it's been a real pleasure, and I hope to do this again, man. Yeah, man, me too. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you know me. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Give me a follow on Twitter, all letters, just as it sounds. And my guest tonight on the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast was, of course, Evan Silva. As I said, follow him on Twitter, E-V-A-N-S-I-L-V-A. He is the senior football editor for Roto World and NBC Sports. Check out his current series. I've been tweeting out a couple links. That is the off-season lowdown series in which he previews the teams. They are worth your read. In Pyromaniacs, we will catch you on the flip side.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.